in the talk uh, yesterday afternoon uh, with you addressed uh, two aspects um, of uh, meditation both are equally important just like to take a few minutes just to uh, uh, reflect on that so one important aspect obviously is the grounding and centering and establishing ourselves calmly and clearly in the uh, living present we might describe it as uh, a middle way between the past and uh, the future it is rather easy to get the idea that Dharma teachings and practices are only about being in the here and now. It is genuinely an important aspect but it's a grounding practice and principle in order that when necessary and valuable we can turn our attention to the past for some insights, for some understanding for some reminders, for reflection and also turn our attention to the future and particularly in consideration to the future it must be connected with the present that thoughts about the future disconnected with the present daydreams, stories, fantasies, fears and uh, hopes and very easily to project much into the future but it doesn't have a grounded and clear relationship to the present and that gap between the present and the future the self will find itself in trouble Second aspect, one is the grounding in the living present the composure, so vital and supportive for that and the second is being in touch with the process many ways to look at being in touch with the process so in the talk uh, yesterday I made reference to three aspects of that I would like us to, today to in include uh, mindfulness in this area and the aspects that I referred to was that initially there is a contact that contact five ways can be through eyes, ears, nose, tongue and touch including the body experience from that contact and some of that contact registers well uh, and noticeably as a particular feeling which flows on from it that feeling which flows on from it emerges out of it can be either pleasant unpleasant, painful or somewhere in between uh, the two in the course of the day there are multiple contacts through the senses and some of them the contact makes enough impression to register as a feeling to uh, and sometimes some thought about 
as mentioned as well and to be mindful of those contacts or impressions it's the same thing which have an impact on us which generates a feeling and an important aspect of the mindfulness what happens after that and in the healthy heart and mind that might just trigger recognition and see that clearly nothing more is to be done it might uh, inspire some uh, intention and that uh, intention then leads to uh, an, act, an activity an action there could be of the voice it could be of the silence here it could be of the meditations so there's a contact there's an impression feeling uh, there and it's followed through wisely and clearly with some activity sometimes the other aspect which is the problematic aspect and we wish to be as mindful and vigilant and careful as possible with this there is a contact there is a feeling and in this case there's not only the five senses as well there is also the relationship to the past so what I mean by that is we make contact with the past and that past may have feelings with it we may appreciate those feelings we enjoy that experience it was important uh, to us but then we want to be watchful of the desire to repeat and one must remember the addictions of life and the big addictions of life started off with a pleasant experience about something quite often an addictive substance of course it started off with a pleasant experience one decided to repeat it and then repeat it again and again it became a habit, it became an addiction but it generally starts off with something pleasurable so human beings require real mindfulness and vigilance contact, <coughs> feeling does it lead to a desire to repeat it can happen as I mentioned spiritually as well there's been a precious important experiences in the past in meditation or in the nature there's the appreciation for that gratitude for that but the desire then can be to want it repeated again and all the other experiences don't seem as valuable or as important because one is clinging to the old similarly with regard to the painful experiences of the past the trauma, the hurt, the disappointment things didn't work out as one wished those feelings that arise you need to remember to acknowledge them, recognize them see what we can understand from them but how easily they lead to a view of the self not feeling good enough feeling to be a failure putting oneself down self-hate sometimes depression sometimes feeling suicidal so it's tied up with 
memory, contact from the past, impressions, feelings, leading to desire and uh, wanting in various ways. Then brief. And finally, of course, my, my, my uh, reference to what got to be known in the insight meditation circles as VV and VRs, and V stands for Vipassana, and VV, Vipassana villain, how easy it is in life, in a group situation, there's an impression, that's the contact, there is an unpleasant feeling, whatever, this poor individual is selected to be one's target for the duration of the retreat and there's fault finding, blaming, irritation <coughs> towards this poor innocent person endeavouring to do their practice. Want to catch that contact, unpleasant feeling, views, judgments arising and how easily that then can expand itself into all the racism, the homophobia, the Islamophobia, anti-Semitism and anti-Americanism and anti-Englishism and all the other ones. So we really want to be mindful of contact, feeling, impression, viewpoints, etc. And the other is the Vipassana romance, and again, contact, pleasurable, pleasant feeling arising, and with that wanting, wanting contact, wanting continuity, wanting a lifelong marriage, or wanting a handful of kids, or whatever it might be about uh, there. Well, this other person is still quietly getting on with their meditation practice and has no idea this is going on in somebody else's mind. So warm, pleasant feelings towards the other, precious and wonderful, uh, etc. But to watch the force of the wanting, that's all. So two major forces in life is the pull towards, which can be quite strong, towards the object, or the aversion, the being against, the putting down. And these two forces generate a lot of pressure in one's life. So our practice, being grounded and steady, really making that a practice, really being mindful of contact, feelings, and what may come after it. Sometimes the movement is wise and skillful and healthy. Sometimes it's problematic, which gets summarized in the force of attraction and aversion that's pulled towards in which one is in the grip of. Quite different from warm, loving, caring, feelings or initiation of action. In the, in the uh, inquiries yesterday evening, with the uh, first uh, one, and a very common one, human beings, we are engaged in life, we are engaged in our intentions and in our actions, and we have a relationship to the outcome. And if we know there's rather a lot of I and my in that dynamic, we want to be really mindful of that I and my. Sometimes for self-approval, could be one, or the approval of the other, 
could be the second or a combination of the two. And that can cloud over, can be a kind of shadow over the integrity and the value of the process of itself. So as we listened yesterday evening, just again to give the reminder again, sometimes we just need to be stop, be still, right, be present. See the integrity of what one wishes to initiate and start. To remember that the outcome we do not know and it's really not in our hands. So we're not generating a dependency on the result. So it's the integrity or the value of the movement uh, itself. So again, with our, there, to remember too, as was discussed, taking some time out of that dynamic to breathe, to, uh, to relax, to find a quiet space. The father with the daughter being the example uh, yesterday evening. And with that to really be checking in is the world of I and my grasping on to this uh, engagement with a healthy process. So today with our meditations and with our uh, uh, practices uh, uh, today, it's a, a, remember it's a wisdom teaching, it's vitally important to, in a way, to rather keep that in mind. It's a teaching of adults, in this case, sometimes it's with children uh, uh, as well. But in this case, it's uh, adult with adult. And what is meant by that, that is fundamentally there is a, a quality of uh, friendship and uh, intimacy in which there isn't this generating of a huge this gap in which there is a kind of transference onto authority, the, the master, the, the, the guru, and much, much of that which goes on in these religious um, spiritual uh, circles. I think when that kind of transference is taking place, it's, it's not healthy either for the guru, for the master, that easily gets identified with and the ego can build on that, but also and equally it's not healthy for the practitioner. We have to, in this, keep our quiet inner authority. And as I mentioned there with authority, it's from an old French word from the 13th century, and it has this parallel with authority, authentic, author. It's, in other words, to make something happen. Where the quiet inner authority. So we listen to teachings and practices, that's one aspect of the Dharma, touched upon this with uh, Samatha last night. Um, and the second uh, aspect which goes uh, with the listening is the practice and the application. So you use your authority to see from your experience if it's useful and valuable for you. That's the criteria. It can be, this is where the reflection comes in. You listened to teachings and practices, you apply them, you listen to the inquiry uh, uh, yesterday evening, and tradition has wisely pointed out, yeah, we listen. Not to project 
onto the authority who uh, sits uh, here, but rather we listen, and in the listening itself, it may generate some benefit and insight. Might just be a few words which are said. Or we listen and we have a sense, hmm, there's something perhaps useful for me to reflect on. How is my relationship to contact feelings and what comes out of that? Uh, so we can engage in some reflection and we apply that reflection. So there's the mindfulness, the meditations there, and then some quiet opportunity for a little bit of reflection to really put something into place so it goes deeper uh, with us. In these teachings, I know in psychology and in the world of psychotherapy, uh, there's quite often a lot of valuable and important exchange in, in a dialogue, in a one-to-one, towards insight, but quite often um, using and employing the story of the person's experience. The family dynamics, the problems at work, the problems around oneself, the personal history, childhood history, it's quite a common way of exploring in the psychology of things in the West. Not the only way, but it's a common one, as you know. In these teachings, the story is a little important but not very much and what's here is looking at the dynamics of the process which is taking place like the contact feelings, impression, desire intentionality <clears throat> and so forth it's more, more in, the, in the process and a fairly good example Ajahn Dhammadro my first um, we passed in our retreat in the monastery. <clears throat> Actually, it lasted for well over, th- well, over three years uh, there. And I think in the three years, there's only one thing that Ajahn Dhammadro, the Vipassana teacher, knew about me, and that is I was English. Mm-hmm. I can't recall him ever asking anything about if I went to university, no. Did I go to college? No. What was I doing before I arrived? No interest. Just practice. Look at the process. I don't say it's better, but I just say there are alternatives and of looking at process of things and going quietly deeper with the process of things. And, and, and sometimes, like myself and others, we listen to the story there, and your stories and we connect and then perhaps see a way of exploring <coughs> to uncover some insights with today finally with today first day of the retreat primary tension in the sitting posture given to the mindfulness of the breathing as the uh, Buddha uh, commented uh, or might disagree uh, of the he once commented of the variety of meditation practices which are offered and available you can't think of one which gives so many different benefits as mindfulness of breathing so I think it's a pretty high plug for the practice it contributes 
to reduction of stress. It contributes to the harmony of uh, body and mind. It contributes to clarity at looking at the object, in this case called the breathing. It contributes to a reminder that our life is interconnected. The air comes from the environment and is released back into it. It contributes to having access to deeper states of mind which can bring much joy and happiness out of the being. It contributes to seeing impermanence. It contributes to seeing the arising of something, in this case the breath, the staying of it for some seconds and its departure, just as every single human experience has that same characteristic. It comes, it stays for a while, and it goes there. So the mindfulness of breathing, having a variety of uh, uh, you know, great uh, benefits, but it's only one, one meditation practice. Not for everybody, but it's one useful. Then, reference was uh, made uh, yesterday and a bit before with this giving of attention to the whole body experience. So, one aspect of that which was touched upon was when the experience is uh, difficult the pain, the aches, the stress, the tensions in the, in the body, quietly putting our attention and exploring that, relaxing into that. That will reduce sometimes the reactivity that comes from stress and tension in the body. The body remembers. Actually, there's a book out somewhere called The Body Remembers. And... So some of the past memories are kind of held in the body and in the calm of the silence they might start emerging. So we want to work with that, we want to relax into that. Very easily from some of those tensions and stresses or aches and pains in the body we can grasp onto it and then the mind begins to run going over things, self-disapproval, struggle, doubt, confusion, panic, or more. So our meditations on being with the body in a relaxed way support us, contribute to less reactivity. <coughs> with the um, meditations, including here all for uh, uh, postures, that quiet, steady commitment as a practice, there's the intention, let's take the walking for a moment, we walk mindfully up and down for half an hour, we bring it to a close. It comes to an end, the good bell ringer rings the bell. This is our life. Our life is full of intention and action, in this case the walking, and it's coming to a close. Our life is a birth, which is the beginning. We move through our life. We may or may not reach the uh, senior years of the life, and it comes to a close. We start something, 
we engage in it, it comes to a close. So, each period can be a reminder and a training and a practice to be very, very clear about this. We're not making it up, it's not an illusion, it's a fact. It's a truth of life. And if uh, some mindfulness, beginning, middle and end, we come and sit, got a beginning to it, the intention was to sit, at the middle period of it and the end. It would be worthwhile today, in all the four postures, to give a little extra consideration to the dynamic of life, of our relationship, to how we begin something, the middle period of it, and the end of it. There. You might find, as an example in the city, some people can spend forever, not quite that long, but not far off, trying to get the right posture. Unfortunately, they, some people have seen far too many Buddha images and have completely forgotten that it's made of materials of the earth. That's why it doesn't move. So, when we come in, we find a reasonably sound posture, not trying to make it perfect because perfection doesn't exist, and so we start relatively soon, as we sit. And sometimes we can have a sense there. So for some, the initial part of the meditation is the, the hard part. For another, it might be roughly, roughly in the middle period. And thoughts may uh, uh, arise, and minds might start to wander, boredom, daydream, whatever. For another, the challenging period is the end, the last section, wanting and waiting for it to be over. over. It's not unusual on retreats that even the most devout and devoted atheist starts praying to God for the bell to ring. And the person had no idea that they had so much of the divine inside of themselves. Uh, despite years of resistance. And they say, oh please God, ring the bell, may I? <laughs> I've made a vow to stay through to the end. Uh, where did this God thought come from? I've been dismissing God, I'm a, I'm a hardcore Darwinianist, or whatever it might be. So again, we never know quite what's in the deep. Sometimes we're surprised at what emerges out of the deep. Sometimes even G-O-D emerges out of the deep. Well, sometimes it might be D-O-G. Anyway, so the beginning, the middle and the ending period are uh, uh, important. And that can happen with relationship as well. One starts off due uh, relationship, whatever, it might be a friend, it might be a lover, or, or whatever, and there's lots of lovely sweet energies in this period of time. Be mindful. It might sustain itself. Sometimes it stays extraordinarily beautifully romantic. Long, 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 long time. A good friend of mine, his meditator, he says, "This is this is rare. So don't get ambitious, but it's rare." He said his mum and dad 
were around 50 years of age, he said, are still as romantic as ever. And you're going to the kitchen and having a, a big kissing in, in the kitchen. He said, it's a bit embarrassing, but he said, it's rather impressive. <laughs> Not always the case in most homes, but anyway. So, again, we want wisdom and clarity. And wisdom and clarity does mean in a number of relationships, there is the beginning, there is the middle, and there is the, the end. And sometimes the end, of course, is, is death, of course it is. And sometimes uh, the end, it just comes to uh, an end. But can we stay loving and friendly and kind and make those transitions as well? So sitting, walking, standing have the same characteristic. To practice that, we have to understand that well, so that you and I in our life can handle well the beginning of life, the middle periods of life, and the end of life. It's their practice. It's a wisdom teaching. That's the priority here between uh, adults with one person. In this case, Christopher talking more than the rest of you. That's about it. All right. Give it, please, a little bit more attention to the primary meditations sitting, walking, standing, reclining, breathing, body, or just presence, if that feels right for you. And a little extra mindfulness today, please, just with regard to any areas where the contact, feeling, and any flow on from that, and really noticing what that is. Sometimes beautiful and precious, sometimes it's just pulled towards, <coughs> or the aversion against you wish to find a way to dissolve that. Okay, thank you. <laughs>